Hi, this is Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large for MMM, and welcome to the MMM Podcast for the week of May 3rd, 2021. A meaningful wrinkle on the COVID-19 vaccine rollout from last month could have a significant bearing on the country's future efforts to reach herd immunity. And I'm not just referring to the April 23 move by the CDC and the FDA to lift the recommended pause on the use of Johnson & Johnson's coronavirus vaccine. Various media outlets speculated on what effect the J&J pause could have on vaccine hesitancy, including MM&M, and you can listen to our podcast from a couple of weeks ago where we discussed that. But what I think could potentially be even more important is the fact that the pharma marketing industry is now putting serious resources against this problem and coming together to solve it in a way I haven't seen before. Among new efforts is one that just soft-launched a couple of weeks ago, the Face-to-Face America digital campaign which is being organized by a consortium of healthcare marketing agencies and endemic media partners to take aim at vaccination holdouts, specifically among the black and Hispanic populations, as well as the politically conservative audience. You can read about that in my last seven-day supply column. The face-to-face initiative coincided with a report from the Kaiser Family Foundation the same week, estimating that across the U.S., a tipping point on vaccine enthusiasm was likely to arrive by the end of April, whereby, for the first time, supply of COVID shots was about to outstrip demand. And as you read about unused doses piling up, that prediction seems all too real. This means it will become a lot more important for marketers to convince those vaccination holdouts. So that's the topic of this week's podcast. And specifically, we'll be hearing about another new initiative, this one from the group Women of Color in Pharma, the nonprofit organization that promotes the development and advancement of women of color in the pharma industry. And joining me is my special guest, Dr. Charlotte Jones-Burton, president and co-founder of OSIP. Dr. Jones-Burton, welcome back to the MMM podcast. Thanks, Mark, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. We'll get to the interview with Charlotte in a moment. First, some housekeeping items, as we usually do. If you're listening to this, it's either deadline day for submission to the MMM Awards or close to it. So be sure to get your entries in at mmm-awards.com. Also, uh, our annual conference, MMM Transform, Navigating the Next, is going on this week, May 4th through the 6th. It's free to register at mmm-transform.com, where you can uh, learn about all the great keynotes, uh, and a really comprehensive agenda. And uh, if you missed any of the sessions, not to worry, everything is archived on the site and will be for about a year. And so, uh, you know, you can catch up with the replay. And last but not least, MMM Hall of Femme, our list of uh, outstanding women leaders in the industry, which was announced earlier this year, are going to be celebrated at a virtual collective and awards ceremony coming up on June 3rd. That's also free to register for uh, this time at www.mmmhalloffemme.com. Com. As always, you can learn more about these events at the all-new mmm-online.com. Okay, back to the interview with Charlotte Jones-Burton. Uh, so I just want to talk to you about this new initiative. It's called We Are Pharma, and it is designed to serve the black and brown communities and to demystify, as you put it, the pharma industry, increase knowledge of pharmaceutical drug development and women of color leaders, and educate on COVID-19 vaccine clinical trial data. And uh, it's, it's among a number of new initiatives, as we said at the top of the podcast. But, you know, I wanted to ask you specifically about this. And it's, you know, it seems to come at an important time, you know, given that the supply demand curve uh, for COVID vaccines is expected to reverse in coming weeks and, and vaccination is slowing down. Uh, so, you know, tell us how did the effort come about and, you know, why do you think that women in the pharma industry are ideally suited for this challenge? 
Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to share with you our We Are Pharma Advancing Equity initiative that we pulled together. And the way in which this initiative came about is really thinking through, you know, what's the outcome that we expect to have and beginning with the end in mind. And like many of the listeners on the call, as we sat in our homes, for those of us who were fortunate to be working from home last year and really experiencing the pandemic from what I would call afar, but feeling afraid um, and really concerned about the health of those around us and the health of our communities, women of color and pharma began to think about what is our role? What role can we play um, to really have impact on the health of Americans and black and brown people globally, but particularly in the United States. And we began to think through um, a series of actions that we could take. And one of them was really to create a program that could educate our community on what? Educate our community on the work that we do in pharma, which is really research and development. And as we began to get um, the hope and the promise of vaccines that we were seeing, we're going to really come to the bedside, if you will, in our arms um, in, in rapid time. We then followed the data and listened to um, the commentary about how different communities were responding to the possibility that there would be a vaccine. And we know and we were told by the scientists and those who um, are the public health experts that in order to end this pandemic, vaccinations were going to be important, that vaccines do save lives. So we pulled together this initiative called We Are Pharma Advancing Equity. And there are three components to the initiative that we pulled together. The first component was to really make sure that we uh, the women of color who are in the pharmaceutical industry understood and had the training that they needed to then be able to go out into their communities where they are living and serving as leaders in their community to really share this education. And so the three parts of the initiative were really to set up to do just that. We started with a boot camp which we call the boot camp because it was an intense day that the women came together in a virtual environment and we had speakers present the data to them. Um, also, they, they heard from women of color who are in the pharmaceutical industry who are leading the actual vaccine research and development. Um, and then we had an opportunity to workshop around communication skills, because obviously, in order for them to go out and educate, they need to be equipped with what is needed. So both the, in, uh, the information as well as the education. First component that happened uh, in March. The second component, which I'm, I'm off, right off of, which happened last week, was to then ask people to raise their hand to actually be the ones to um, go out into the community. And we, uh, we had 25 spots available. We ended up extending it because we had so much enthusiasm. 
And we, uh, we convened and don't worry, we made sure that we did it in a safe way where we um, tested individuals and, and many of the women were already vaccinated at this point, but we convened and we had a speakers bureau training. And that was um, to really make sure that the content that had been curated um, by WOSUP would be then understood and delivered. So the speakers, I can tell you now, are all trained. They've passed their assessment and now they're ready to go into their community. And the last component of the initiative is to really have uh, a summit which will take place on uh, June 25th, where we will invite and kind of open up the virtual doors to invite uh, leaders of religious and non-religious organizations in the community, social organizations, um, as well as professional organizations to really come into, um, into the walls of pharma, if you will, and learn about COVID-19 vaccine research and development. And then we'll also have a town hall and we will then have an opportunity for leaders of community organizations to sign up to have one of our speakers who have been trained and certified come and speak to their constituents. So we're super excited about this comprehensive um, program that we've put together all to help us um, focus on the community, educate them and really increase COVID-19 vaccine confidence and competency. Wow, fantastic. So um, how, how do those three components kind of complement each other? I would say they complement each other because you can't have one without the other in order to ensure, and this material and really understanding vaccine research and development and being able to convey it to a non-scientific um, audience, it takes being able to understand the, co the content yourself, um, being able to uh, wrap a story around it. I know your audience, you have marketers in your audience, so they understand what that's like to be able to have a story that's compelling. Um, and then you obviously need an audience. So you need um, community leaders who understand what it is that you are doing, what you want to do that builds trust. And then that will allow us to really be able uh, to convey the information and get the outcome that we're looking for. And the outcome that we're looking for, obviously, as you started this conversation, is to really make sure that we reach herd immunity. And we know we're a part of the herd and our community is a part of the herd. So unless we have that critical mass of people getting vaccinated, it'll be difficult for us to find our way out of this pandemic. And, you know, just want to talk about the, the couple of components that have occurred. So the first thing was the March boot camp, you know, where you were having uh, speakers present and women of color in pharma leading workshops around this and, and communication skills. Did that kind of validate your hunch that women of, of color in the industry are particularly kind of well suited, if you will, to address vaccine concerns in minority communities? So I will tell you yes let me tell you more let me just start with a small story so it just happened that i was speaking with someone that i work with 
and she currently lives in Utah. I asked her two days before the boot camp, are you getting vaccinated? And by the way, I've been asking everyone that question, no matter where I am and where I go. She, and I will tell you, she is an African-American woman. And when I asked her that question, she paused and she said, well, I don't think that I'm going to get vaccinated. I live in Utah. You know, the, the virus is not really here. And so I don't think I'm going to get vaccinated. And I've told my family this, and I'm not sure that they should get vaccinated either. And my response to that, and of course, we, we, we can identify that as vaccine hesitancy. That's what we're talking about. And I said to her, you need to come to this boot camp. It's virtual. You need to come to this boot camp. The reason I start with that story is because she is not alone. And I know that we have other members as well as colleagues who are working in the pharmaceutical industry who, for whatever reason and without judgment, may have been experiencing that same thing. So the boot camp was really developed so that those women who they are likely going to have family members and friends pick up the phone and call them and say to them, hey, you work in the pharmaceutical industry. What do you think about this vaccine? It was important that we have the opportunity to spend time with them to make sure that we explained in a way in which they could understand it and receive it, the information so that they can make informed decisions and have conversations that can also allow others to make informed decisions and not act out of fear. And so that's really why we had the boot camp. The day of the boot camp, the way the agenda was organized, we started with two of our members, one in the US and one in Ghana. Both are women of color who work in the pharmaceutical industry. Both of them had had the virus themselves and they both shared their story. It was in two to three minutes, we videotaped it and they shared their story about what it was like to have COVID-19. And it was not pretty, let me tell you. They shared those stories. And then we went into why it was, it's important to consider it. We also talked about how the vaccines weren't just started to be started development last year. We kind of walked them through the history. I even learned some things myself, understanding that, for example, the person Who's, um, who developed the Moderna vaccine, the scientist who started that, he started working on that in 1976. I will not tell you how old I was in 1976, but understanding that I think is really important because it answers the myth that the, the vaccines were developed too quickly. And then Mark, I'll tell you that we had a panel and on that panel, we had Dr. Judy Absalon, who was run, who ran the uh, Pfizer clinical trial. We had Dr. Henrietta Ukwu, who is heading up regulatory and quality at Novovax. And as you know, their clinical trial is currently ongoing for their vaccine. 
And we had Dr. Uzama Henry, who heads uh, vaccine clinical development at GSK. So we got to meet them and understand that they not only are working within our industry, but they're leading these very trials that we're then talking about. And then we got to break down the clinical trial data that has been um, published to date. Um, and also the advisory committee, some of the data had been shared via advisory committees. So we had that. So it was a very productive and intensive day. And we believe that it was important for us to have that because we know that these women who are uh, leading within the pharmaceutical industry, they're also leading within their communities, their um, Hispanic communities and Black communities throughout uh, the United States and throughout the globe for those who attended who weren't in the United States. And it's important that they be equipped with the information. Information really is power. That is fascinating uh, that you found that, you know, some of your colleagues working in the farm industry also have experienced vaccine hesitancy. Uh, so this effort, which ostensibly was designed to bring in community leaders and have people from the industry demystify the process, started from the inside out. And um, so a great job on activating this unique group of professionals and, and also answering what turned out to be some some lingering questions uh, among that group themselves so let's move you know beyond training i've heard that it's hard to kind of spark the kinds of conversations that you that you mentioned you know having within you know the uh the boot camp um how are you going to uh you know kind of make sure that those conversations happen one community at a time we believe that being a part of the communities, these conversations are already happening. And really what we needed to do, as I mentioned, is just ensure that the individuals had the information that was needed to educate themselves so that they can then educate others. So those are the informal conversations that people are having within their own homes. And when they go out to the grocery store or to the salon to get their nails done or their hair done or on vacation, now that we know things are starting to open back up. So that's simple. In terms of the formal conversations that will happen, what we are hoping to do and the summit that we will have on June 25th is meant to really be able to get to the more formal conversations that we want to have and to do the outreach to community leaders of those organizations. So our plan is to invite um, leaders and their uh, constituents to come to the summit. Of course, if your audience that is listening to this podcast would like to receive an invitation, they can email us at wearepharma at wosup.org to receive that information. It will be a free event. And from there, we'll begin to build out our, what we're calling our community engagement calendar. And we have our speakers who are ready uh, to go and they have the content, they've been trained and certified. And we know that our calendar is gonna fill up fast because we are not hearing from people who are in pharma. And uh, many of the, even the town halls that I see on TV 
or the ones in which I listen to on various social media platforms, they have representatives from, you know, the NIH. Dr. Fauci has, has done a great job. He's, he's always present. Individuals from the media, individuals from healthcare delivery side, individuals from academia. But I do think that pharma has been less represented um, than uh, what I would like to see. And so this will be, we know that when we raise our hands and say we are from pharma and we're interested in uh, presenting and speaking to your, whether it's your staff members or your, um, your community um, individuals, we know that people are going to um, accept what we have to offer and our calendar is really gonna fill up. Thank you for inviting our audience there. If anybody would like to attend that, that virtual summit on the 25th, um, we'll, we'll repeat that email uh, for folks. Uh, we are pharma at wosip.org. We can mention it again. Um, you know, what will it take to convince the 20% of Americans say they won't get vaccinated or will only do so if mandated? You know, let's get into a little bit more about you know, the speaker training itself, you, you're equipping people uh, in the industry with this type of information. Um, and I think it's a fascinating group to activate, so to speak, and to try to, to, to convince that fifth of the population. But, you know, w- what's it going to take? So this is what I'll start off by saying, we may not be able to move everyone. So we have to be realistic. What will it take? repeated messaging by different audiences, I think it's important to make sure that people understand that vaccines save lives. And for those that I've been able to move forward, what I've done is one led by example. So I start by letting them know that I've been vaccinated. I was one of the first ones to raise my hand and I needed to overcome some of the fears that I had that were really not grounded in science and the data. So talking about how we feel is important. I felt really scared. Now, after I've got the vaccine, I feel a level of protection that I didn't feel last year emphasizing the data in a way that people can understand. Not only do we have data from clinical trials, now we have over 100 million people who have gotten the vaccine. We have real world data that's being collected. So making sure that people understand that and then that they understand that it's not uncommon to learn more about vaccines and drugs once they um, are started to be starting to be used uh, in the post-marketing space or after the clinical trial data has been um, released and we get more people on the medicine and putting that into context. So not dismissing some of the safety signals that we're hearing about on the news, but not just making them sound bites, really stopping and putting them into context so people understand. And then I think really listening to the concerns that people may have and and showing them that their concerns are valid and can be understood. I think it takes 
all of those things. And at the end of the day, it's going to take more of us doing what I just mentioned in order for us to get to that 20% that you mentioned may be resistant. Given the vaccine hesitancy among political conservatives, Black and Hispanic communities, do you think that we will reach herd immunity threshold, which I believe is uh, that 70 to to 90% of the population? To that, I would say emphatically yes. And that's really because I'm an eternal optimist, but I'm also a change agent. And I believe if we do the work and we're consistent, that we will get there. Okay. Um, You know, the only other thing I want to ask you about is the, you know, the pause on the J&J vaccine after the reports of the uh, rare but dangerous blood clot. Uh, amongst uh, women under the age of 50. The CDC and the FDA, as we mentioned last Friday, recommended lifting the pause and resuming uh, vaccinations. So would love to get your take on, uh, you know, what impact you think the initial pause of the vaccine had on already high hesitancy rates. And will the health authorities uh, resuming, uh, the recommending to resume vaccination with the J&J shot allay Uh, fears or has the damage already been done? So first, I would like to give my condolences to those that have been negatively impacted by the J&J vaccine and who lost their lives or had a severe reaction. As it relates to your question in terms of, you know, will this this initial pause impact the hesitancy. You know, unfortunately, I I believe that it will. I think it'll make it even more difficult to reach those who were kind of waiting to see what would happen. And they may use this as a see, that's why I have not and will not get a vaccine. I'm not certain the degree of the impact, but what I do know is that it's important, again, for us to put things into perspective, to listen to people when they are um, expressing their concerns and when they have data that is true, such as see, you know, it was paused for a reason. And, and I, it's unclear to me whether then having the CDC speak about resuming the vaccines and ha- knowing that the FDA reviewed the data and gave the go-ahead to re- you know, resume if that will impact in a positive way. But I think that it just lets us know that we need to continue to do the work um, that we are doing with the We Are Pharma Advancing Equity Initiative and that we need more people getting vaccinated and then speaking and sharing about why they made the decision to do it and the impact that it's having on them getting back to normalcy, whether it's seeing their family members whom they haven't been able to see, whether it's that they are able to get back to exercising or get back into the office. Um, Sharing that with others, I think will be very important. Well said. And, uh, We'll leave it there. You know, let, let's do this again, uh, Dr. Jones-Burton, as we hopefully get closer to herd immunity over the summer and, and put this uh, pandemic behind us. I look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you for having me. Of course. And uh, can you just tell folks one more time how they can attend 
the uh, June 25th summit? Yes, they can send us an email at wearepharma at org. That is W-E-A-R-E-P-H-A-R-M-A at W-O-C-I-P dot O-R-G. Thank you so much. And we look forward to hearing great things from, from that and from the effort as a whole. If you like this episode, please give it a like. It really does help. And um, please subscribe to the show uh, wherever you get your audio programming, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, and help others discover the podcast. This has been uh, Mark Iskowitz for Dr. Charlotte Jones-Burton signing off. We will see you next time on the MMM Podcast. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.